Nicolas Cage is probably one of our generation's definitive actors. Hello and welcome to Cage Fighting. It's your main man Andy Gillard here. Hope everyone's doing well in the world. Hi everybody, Matt Guy there. Hope everybody is splendid as always. You'll all be splendid as always in the, in the next hour of high quality entertainment and uh, this is one not to be missed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, You're really excited by this, aren't you, Stu? I, I'm genuinely stunned at the, the excitement. I mean, honestly... I don't know how to take a screenshot on this thing, bro. Wish they could see the look on your face. It's a kid, yeah. a kid at Christmas. It really is. <laughs> <laughs> so we're here to discuss Primal. Um, going into this movie, literally all I knew that it was a 2019 Cage movie, and from this year we've seen Grand Isle, Kill Chain, and Color Out of Space. We've also got. Running with the Devil and a score to settle to watch. So there's two more from this. So from this year alone, he's done six. Like this is almost Bruce Willis 2021 levels. <laughs> so knowing what we've seen, Matt, what are you expecting from this movie? Um, I had expectations that, not knowing much about it, that it was going to be okay. Because in my head, this era of Cage is Willy's Wonderland, is Pig, is. You know, um, yeah. <laughs> I put her out of space. Mandy, you know, we didn't particularly like it, but other people did. I added in my head that actually, um, it's 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 to be enjoyed. And then when you compare it to, you know, I really liked Grand Isle, um, mm. and um, Kill Chain, not so much, but it wasn't the worst film we've ever seen. And so it I... wasn't because of Cage that it was bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. It was like the highlight of it, wasn't it? So uh, I was expecting it to be all right. To be fair, Stu, this is. This is the period of time, like Matt's just said, it's the the renaissance, the green shoots of rejuvenation in Cage's career. Is that fair? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what we said, I mean, the, the, we were all kind of taken aback with Colour Out of Space. Um, it kind of shocked us all. It came from nowhere, really. Mm. Um, especially because no one, would talk, no one was talking about it as well. And then you had this, which... I mean, knowing knowing that it was one of these <laughs> going into it, I mean, it, I think kind of heightened the fact that I knew what to expect kind of thing. Mm. Um, but at the same time, going into it, knowing that Cage had been on top form in the same year. So yeah. it was one where going into it, it was like, oh, I can't wait to do this. Yeah, same, same. So Primal is directed by Nick Powell, who is mostly known as a stunt coordinator, but he's got two directorial credits to his name. This one and Outcast, which also stars Nicolas Cage, alongside Hayden Christensen. Both films have less than a 5 out of 10 rating on IMDb. <laughs> Make of that what you will. Obviously, alongside Nick Cage here, we've got Kevin Durant. Like, he's not a famous name but it's a face that you probably recognise from mm -hmm. at least several things. He was in the Swamp Thing TV series, The Strain, Wolverine Origins, Little John in Robin Hood, Legion. He's always a decent supporting actor from, from my experience with the guy. 
Yeah, I, I knew him from the strain. And he, mm. he was fucking classic in that as well. Because he, he's got this kind of... He plays um, an, a proper New York kind of over-the-top accented um, mm. pest, pest control guy as well. Um, so I, I knew that he had that kind of... That range, so to speak. Um, yeah. So, I mean... And then we haven't mentioned it, Famke Janssen next up. Um, obviously, superb in most things. Um, yeah, until I mean, this. <laughs> you know Famke Janssen from like the original X-Men trilogy. She was Jean Grey, GoldenEye, House on Haunted Hill. Another solid supporting co-star, I find, in pretty much everything. Nip Tuck as well. Yeah, she was great in Nip Tuck. Mm. And The Blacklist. I think I, I stopped watching shortly after she left because it went a bit off the rails, but she was oh, crazy. Man, I forgot about Blacklist. I used to love that back in the day. Yeah, I, I loved it for the first like three seasons, and then I think I quit after season six because it it got to the lost point of asking more questions without giving us any answers. I just realised that she isn't the um, fit lawyer out of Scrubs. No, that's Julia Margulies, who looks scarily like her. Yeah, Julia Margulies, like... who was in ER. Yeah, yeah, that's um, that's mm. upsetting. Not to be confused with Mary Margulies. No, that's someone very, very different. <laughs> uh, so IMDb describes this film as a big game hunter for zoos has booked passage on a Latin American shipping freighter with a fresh haul of exotic deadly animals from the Amazon including a rare white jaguar, along with a political assassin being extradited to the US <laughs> in secret. Two days into the journey, the assassin escapes and releases the captive animals, throwing the ship into chaos. Take it easy with my cat! What is it? White jag, maybe 400 pounds. <laughs> I have hit the mother load. Ah, <laughs> I think this one's going to the highest bidder. So nice to see American faces. Marine Commando. Under arrest for crimes against humanity. Seizures can happen without warning. My radio will be on 24 hours. Dr. Taylor. The man that we're looking for is a mercenary assassin. A professional killer. Loffler let most of the animals out. There's only so many places he can hide. Who says he's gonna hide? I'm going hunting. Government wants him alive. Put a bullet in him. The same goes for the cat. You kill my cat, I'll blow your head off. Got a real nice cage for you. Rated R. We open to Frank Walsh sat on a small wooden ledge within the deepest Brazilian rainforest, awaiting something. Frank senses a movement. He goes to grab his gun and somehow manages to knock it off the ledge onto the ground. We cut to the eyes of the beast, crawling through the undergrowth, heading towards Frank's trap. Crawling into the open, Frank spies the creature. 
absolutely gorgeous, he proclaims. <laughs> the camera shows a white jaguar. The fucking state of your CGI jaguar, mate. That is... This is 2019, and this is Reptile from Mortal Kombat 2 levels of awful, this CG. Yeah, it's it's really atrocious, isn't it? Um, it there's no redeeming features for it at all, because it doesn't even move like a big cat. No. It, 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 it looks like some kind of hybrid monster. <laughs> um and it just takes you out of the it just takes you out of the film altogether straight away, doesn't it? Like, it really does. Yeah. I mean you, you could have had a person in a cat suit and it would have been better than this. <laughs> yeah, you don't even need Andy Circus, just pick some random dude off the street and stick him in like one of those cheap charity suits that they get. <laughs> that would have been perfectly acceptable compared to what we got. Remember when, like, remember when Primark was selling like onesies for like 10 quid? Yeah, that would have done. That would have done. <laughs> Frank manages to capture the Jaguar. When they try to export him, the locals will not help him. They believe the Jaguar is haunted. The locals say, whoa, here she comes. She's a man-eater. A <laughs> parrot, comes. <laughs> a parrot comes and eats Frank's food. So he walks over to the parrot and we get some crazy cage as he screams into the parrot's face. The parrot just dead eyes him and carries on eating the food like he doesn't give a fuck. <laughs> I love this scene when Frank got back to the truck and all the locals are stood around. Because I assume they just got locals to be extras in this film, to be supporting artists. But they're all just stood stock still, staring at the camera, not even at the truck. <laughs> it's terrible. Frank had hired a place on a cargo boat to smuggle the animal back to the US. Whilst boarding, a group of military guys rock up in big sedans and fancy blacked-out cars, all for one prisoner, Richard Loeffler, played by Kevin Durand. Being imprisoned for crimes against humanity in several made-up South American countries. <laughs> Naval, officer Delen, uh, sorry, Naval officer Dr. Ellen Taylor, that be Frankie Janssen, is here to ensure safe passage. We usually do wig watch on cage, but... Janssen looks like they've just taken Chucky's fucking hair off, dyed it black and stuck it on her head. <laughs> That's the worst wig we've seen in any of these films. It was awful. Yeah, it's atrocious. And her, her whole her whole demeanour or lack of demeanour the whole way through is is a shock. She, well, you wouldn't know it was a shock because she's so stoic throughout. <laughs> you know, you can't have to tell what emotion it is that she's portraying through a lot of this. I don't, I don't think, I think the amount of, polyfiller in her face kind of limits the emotion that she could possibly portray looking at this. I mean, she looks a a state. (laughs) Let's be, let's be honest. She looks a mess. And from, from the the glories of the nip tuck days, it's a shame what people, especially women like this, like her do not need to do this to themselves. And she can't move her face. The CG Jaguar thing has more emotion than she does. That's true. <laughs> you are right. I mean, it's it's the Hollywood machine, isn't it? She's in that age between being young and hot and being old enough to be a, a mother because you've got to be 60 to be a mother in Hollywood. She's in that in-between age where she's just got to try and hang on to her youth. And like, I have no issue with people having plastic surgery, but when it's got to the point it's affecting your performance... That's a real bad sign. And as we've said earlier, like she's usually a solid actor, but no, not here. She really wasn't. 
Taylor Locks Loffler, that's a fucking sentence, in an eight by eight foot cage. They are laying the symbolism on pretty thick straight away. We've got a human killer in a cage and we've got a killer jaguar also in a cage. It's a bit much. We get a bit of talky-talky stuff where Frank just gets hammered explaining that he's a hunter and that he's selling the jaguar. I'm not sure if Frank is getting hammered or if Cage is actually getting hammered. <laughs> like, and I wouldn't blame him because this script does not really deserve any respect. Just get pissed and enjoy yourself, son. So that's half an hour in. What do we think, Stu? Uh, I giggled so much. <laughs> I, mean, I wasn't even remotely tipsy or drunk of any kind. I was just... I mean, after after seeing the, the Jaguar, I thought, well, I texted in, text in a picture of him in, in his treehouse and he just put primal lol. <laughs> <laughs> and then it appeared and I thought, oh no, this is... This is why he's wanted us to do this for so long because it's going to be so awful, mm. and it doesn't disappoint, does it? Because it is really shit, <laughs> but it's it's kind of done. It's played so straight faced that I don't know if it's if they know that it's bad or if they they just or they do they kind of get along with a gag because mm. there's no way that this could be serious, no way at all. I, it's I, I I fail to believe that it, it's possible. Because <laughs> why why would you spend almost no money at all on effects for the main main kind of antagonist of the whole film, the animals, which we get onto the monkeys again later on? <laughs> if the if the CG was better, would it change the film? Because I was thinking as soon as I saw that that monstrosity, I thought, well, this is shit then. This is one of these films. This is like a kind of. This is like the snakes on a train kind of ripoff. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, I'd put in the group chat that that clip from Birdemic. It, it is almost that level of terrible, and I think you make a good point. I think if it was a really realistic looking Jaguar, the film would just be shit. But because the Jaguar looks terrible, and <laughs> it makes you immediately think, oh, actually. This is going to be B movie level bollocks. So you're just in for the ride at that point. So I think yeah. it being awful probably helps you get over that hurdle. Matt, first thirty yeah. minutes, are you enthralled? I can't say I was bored. I mean, <laughs> I um, one of my first notes was um, Arsehole Cage. No matter what film he's in, he's always giving you some form of entertainment, mm. and, uh, and and I, and I stand by that in this. Um, I agree with Stu, though. I think from the off, you can tell that some of the things that are in this this movie are done to be ramping up the ship factor and be moviness of it. There are some like really throwaway lines or some really odd performances by some of the characters that are so bad. It's it's it, it's like the upcoming Foo Fighters film, like the trend in <laughs> mm. the. It's so over the top for show and performance, like the the chef who gets mauled in a short <laughs> while, or like the like one of the deckhands or the engineer or something who's just who who's like um, who served in Nam or wherever it was. Like the performances are so bad that they can they can only be by design. Yeah, it's got to be. Yeah, but I I was I was enjoying it. To be fair, I can't I, I can't lie. 
I was mm-hmm. uh, I was thinking actually this is um, I'm not bored. I, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing because he's the the, the 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 film's biggest strength is that it steals all the good things from other films and just mashes it into one hodgepodge. Mm. Loughlin fakes a seizure when one of the guards tries to prise his jaws open. Loughlin bites his fucking fingers off, <laughs> and rather than shooting him, the second guard comes in. And then basically gives Loughler the gun. Needless <laughs> to say, Loughler escapes with ease because these naval seals are fucking idiots. The US Marshals manage to take control of the ship in order to search for the guy, forcing everyone into their rooms whilst they're searching around. Frank is unhappy as he needs to feed his animals. Whilst the Marshals are searching for Loughler, they notice that Loughler has released some of Frank's animals. During the melee of all the animals, Frank manages to escape and we find out that he served in the military many years ago. I'm not entirely sure if Frank is supposed to be hunting the animals which have been released, or if he's looking for the escaped mercenary. They don't really make it that clear what he's doing. He's just out there now looking for everybody and nobody, maybe. I I don't know. I I don't feel like they told the story very well at this point. I I just presume that he was... He was out to go and find Loughler, and if he come and came across his animals, then he'd deal with them as and when. As and when, okay. Yeah. Mm. I suppose that makes that makes no sense, but all the sense <laughs> in this film. <laughs> Frank sees his white jaguar, but before he manages to tranquilise him, the jag runs off. Frank chases after him, but he's obviously too slow because it's a jaguar. Is it just me or does Cage look in the worst shape of his career in this film? Mm, he looks like, really doughy, and we're not used waits, to that. For someone that waits a week, stalking his prey and hunts, like unless that prey is at a Pizza Hut buffet, like he's, <laughs> he's like I'm not sure how like the two the two are so, like mutually um, mutually connected. A snake manages to bite one dude, and then the jag attacks another of the marshals, ripping his neck open. Frank has sobered up quite quickly at this point and he shows us all that he's actually a bad guy. He doesn't give a shit about the guy dying from the snake bite. He's only there to protect his animals, he says. There's a bit more of a cat and mouse shenanigans going on. Eventually, Frank and Loughlin come face to face. Their face-off becomes a Mexican standoff when the strange rando kid appears and then the white jag comes into the room. Loughlin manages to escape in all of the goings-on. Then a minute later, Loughlin captures Frank and kills some birds until he gets the chart which Frank stole from him. It's a little bit all over the place at this. We go in, we seem to be jumping from one person to the next person and back again. And there's not a lot of continuity, I don't think, going through it. Um, I got a little bit bored in this part of it, to be perfectly honest, because we're following one protagonist and then the antagonist, and then out of nowhere this other side would show up. There's very little interaction going on between anyone. Then they would run off and then rinse and repeat. Mm. Throughout this whole section of the film, it was just one person, here's the other person, run away, and then reverse it for the next scene. It was kind of at this point where um, the stone had been bled dry. Of all of the kind of like the goodwill had been spent of what was actually like a really potentially fun and um, original kind of well not original story because it's face off meets Jumanji, 
but it's um, <laughs> sorry, Conair meets Jumanji, but um, it's essentially it was starting to wear thin because this just became just then another shit action film mm. that, that is you know it could be anybody playing anybody. You know, there was there was nothing distinguishing it from anything else that you find in a one pound DVD bin yeah. in Spa. It reminded me. Do you remember the old um, the old computer game Spy versus Spy, where you would run around a house to try and set up traps to capture the other spy? It felt like that. Like you had Cage and Durand trying to do that to each other. That that was all that was going on for ages. Which is fine if you're playing a five minute game. But when you're, you know, sixty minutes into an hundred minute film, it's a bit of a drag. Somehow Loffler ends up taking the weird kid who happens to be on the boat with a bunch of grown men, so that Frank <laughs> and Dr. Taylor try and get him back. Eventually, Dr. Taylor gets taken too. Loffler ties her up, and the kid releases some of the venomous snakes. I'm not sure where they got this bag of snakes from. Because they were roaming the ship on their own. So does he just grab a bag and then put them in there himself? Strange. Eventually he manages to come face to face with Frank, who is also sniping him with poison blow darts. After a scuffle with knives, poison <laughs> eventually slows Loffler down, trapping in a snare trap. Then Cage releases the Jaguar on Loffler, killing him. The end, pretty much. So the budget on this is a bit weird. So I found an article on newsismybusiness.com where a Puerto Rican governor claimed that Primal had a buck, uh, sorry, had a um, budget of $31 million. <laughs> <laughs> there, there, there's absolutely no way on earth that they spent $31 million on this film. IMDb has estimated it at $9 million. I'm, I'm more inclined to believe IMDb on this, I think. Because, I mean, if they spent money, it, they didn't spend it on screen, let's be perfectly honest. But just out for context, 2019, Colour Out of Space, the budget there was estimated between 6 and $12 million. So we're looking at a similar kind of budget. But you look at what Colour Out of Space did with that budget mm. compared to what they've done with the budget here. It's fucking worlds apart, isn't it? Hmm. Uh, the box office, so it was released on the 8th of November 2019. It made $2.3 million worldwide. The international market, it made $40,000. <laughs> it was straight to DVD in the US and it made a little bit over two and a quarter million. So it was nowhere near making its money back. 2019 big hitters, so we've got Endgame, Lion King, Frozen 2, Spider-Man Far From Home, Captain Marvel, Joker, Star Wars Episode 9, Aladdin, Toy Story 4, Jumanji, The Next Level. Not a single original film in that top 10. All of those films are either sequels or pre-existing IPs. Even if I expand it out into the top 20, there are four films which are Chinese releases, so I don't know anything about them. The other films, Hobbs and Shaw, How to Train Your Dragon 3, Maleficent 2, It 2, Detective Pikachu, Secret <laughs> Life of Pets 2. 16 out of 20 films, all pre-existing IP. Even if I went up to 30, there's still only 8 films that were original. Which is quite a damning indictment of the industry that they don't really make it in original ideas. But then again, I suppose when 
primal is an original idea. <laughs> <laughs> this is why we can't have nice things. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so before I give you the scores, I want you to tell me what you think it'll be, either out of 10 or out of 100. Matt? Critic critic 3 out of 10, <laughs> fan 5 to 6 out of 10. Ship? 2 and 4. <laughs> <laughs> so IMDb, it's got a 4.9. The Rotten Tomatoes critical store score is a 37%, which I've got to admit is a little bit higher than I was expecting. Uh, but the Rotten Tomatoes audience score is 22%. Ooh. I'm really quite shocked it's that low. So that's like one in five. Hmm. So, yeah. So the critical response, uh, Howard Gorman from The Enemy, stuffed with unintentional laugh-out-loud moments. Primal is as fun as long as you don't take it too seriously. Alex Bian from Stuff, a B-grade blast, just be. Just to be clear, it's a bad movie, but Nicolas Cage is mesmerising. Brandon Collins from Medium Popcorn would have rated higher if the production and effects were better. The premise is wild. Nicolas Cage is really entertaining. Trace Thurman from Horror Queers. Uh, Don't promise me Nick Cage versus a Jaguar on a boat and then fill them (laughs) in time with human-on-human fighting. And finally, Rotten Tomatoes itself, I think, sums it up quite perfectly. Chiefly of interest to Nicolas Cage completionist and hardcore B-movie fans, this action thriller suffers from an unfortunate lack of primal energy. I think that really does sum it up, doesn't it? However, some people did like this film, and those maniacs at Amazon.com gave this four stars out of five after 1,968 reviews. Wow. Yeah. RJC says, it starts off a bit lame, and I thought it was going to be another Nick Cage dud. The testosterone stuff at the beginning is a bit naff, and it did put me off, but it gets better as the characters begin to take shape, and Mr. Cage comes through and shows his acting skills. It becomes an enjoyable film to watch and worth watching again. Four stars, that one. (laughs) Jameson the Seventh gave it a four-star review, saying the CGI needed a bit of work, but still worth a watch. And one unknown reviewer said, not bad at all, five stars. (laughs) Yeah. So the good, the bad, and the crazy. Stu? Let's just get it. The bad was the CG, obviously. (laughs) Because it it just... It influenced the whole film because of how shit it was. Mm. Like I said earlier, it was... As soon as you you sort of your main, well, one of the main characters of the entire film looks awful and looks like he could have been ripped straight from Jumanji, the first one, then you know what you're going to get. And it's probably right if if it did look good and if it did look better, like um, life on life of Pi kind of standard. It could have fundamentally changed the whole thing. I mean, it would have it would have made a good film, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but it might have it might have made it this kind of weird kind of I'd say more realistic. But it it could have put a, a more of a more respect towards the film more than anything else. That they they clearly couldn't care less. Mm-hmm. It's clearly a piss take from start to finish. But 
in saying that, it, it was fun for that reason, but I think it would have been, it would have still been that if the CG was better. And it just, every time you saw one of the animals on screen, it just took me out of it completely because I thought, well, it just looks shit. And I mean, the good, I mean, the good was Cage's performance because I think he, it was one of these where he, he obviously was having a great old time <laughs> mm. despite the nonsense of it all. I mean, no one else was, of course, <laughs> but I mean, he, he seems to be, I mean, it, this could have been one of them where he has just turned up for a week. Um, in his own clothes, in in between films where he's he's not had to work out or get in shape for anything, like we've already discussed earlier on, and just had a bit of a laugh, and that kind of comes across. And yeah, that's what crazily that's why he enjoyed it because I mean I had a smile on my face, but apart from the ten minutes in the middle, I had a smile on my face for the the whole time. <laughs> Matt, what have you got to say? So the good, I think there was there was some strange, strangely the foreboding of some of the elements were done really well. I thought so, like they just slide it into conversation about like, oh, the monkey's protecting its young, and that's why <laughs> that's why she's being so aggressive. And then the bloke goes in there with the monkeys and then you see the baby just before he says, is there a baby in there? And you go, oh, I know what's about to happen now. And then it will be like, um, they'll say, he'll say like, oh no, a Jaguar is not a man eater. It's only a bloody, 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 blah. And then you'll be like, yeah, he's definitely going to eat somebody. And it's like, <laughs> they, they, they just dropped these, but it was very much with a wink at the camera kind mm. of thing mm. about it. And I like that, if I'm honest. I, I found some of that quite entertaining. It was so like nudge, nudge, wink, wink, here we go kind of thing about it that it just made it it made it made quite fun. Um, the bad <clears throat> for me really was just whilst they obviously, I think, like I said, tried to, you know, take everything with a pinch of salt and it be fun when it stops becoming the um, animal romp and it just becomes a human-on-human interaction, well, we've seen that all before Mm. on bigger budgets and it's just done way better than this. Way, way better than this. So when it becomes just like a human-on-human fight, even the turn from the FBI agent or whatever he is, NSA agent, whatever, basically the guy from The Sopranos, then um, that's not even like that shocking or anything. When it becomes just a human-on-human story, it's pretty boring, and and, and that's mm. that's a bit sad, really. Uh, the crazy for me is the fact that you know we've got this stunt stunt coordinator um, director, and then everything from a fight scene is so tame, like really poor. No isn't risks it? are taken, really. It's just and like maybe this is because Cage is in really poor shape, as we've mentioned already. But um, like it was. The fight scenes were pretty terrible in general, um, which was a shame because you think with somebody with that experience that they would really go balls to the wall and make it like just stick a random bit of bullet time in there just for no reason. Hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, just like yeah. something just out, completely out of the ordinary. We got none of it really. It was it was quite um, quite vanilla. Hmm. So for me, the good was that the film was basically greater than the sum of its parts. The bad is the parts, unfortunately. <laughs> like, the CG cat was terrible. I mean, not, not just the cat, but all of the CG animals were absolutely abysmal. We have seen films with modest budgets do a lot better. 
$9 million is a decent budget for a film of this size. They're not going to have spent a shit ton on the three stars, to be perfectly honest. So I'm guessing the cocaine bill must have been sky fucking yeah. high on this movie. The cast, they all looked in awful shape. Cage, we've never seen him look quite this bad before. Durant looked like he just had a big meal and he was suffering with meat sweats through most of this movie. <laughs> and Janssen, as we'd mentioned before, like she constantly looked pained in this movie. She was slightly yellow as well. I think she had jaundice. <laughs> there was something wrong. Like They all just looked so out of place and none of them looked like... None of them looked like they should have really been there. The sets all looked fake as shit as well. They were terrible. That random boy who kept popping up. Like, just because his dad was there. But his dad was at work, so why was his son there? It was weird. Uh, the crazy, though, producer Dan Grodnick, he optioned this script back in 1995. This script mm. took 24 years in the making. <laughs> you think, as he's been around for that long, they would have come out with something a little bit better. You know, it, it all makes a lot more sense, though, because it feels very nineties. It does, doesn't it? really does. So did you enjoy the film, Matt? Um, yeah. Yeah, I'd say I did, uh, for the most part. But I think this was very much a... I was warned... Mm. I was warned ahead of time. If I'd have gone into this completely fresh and then saw it, I think I'd have been like, oh my God, this is absolutely abysmal. But I knew that to expect tongue-in-cheek from pretty much the off. And it, it gave me that, to be fair. Um, so yeah, I, I did enjoy it. I wouldn't go out of my way to like scream from the rooftops about it. Um, but yeah, yeah, I, I enjoyed it for the most part. Mm. Stu? Of course, <laughs> but again, again, kind of like Matt said, a lot in a very similar reasons because I knew what I was getting into, and yeah. within five, within five minutes, you knew not to take it seriously. So, if it, if it was going to be another next incident, then this was that was never going to happen with this because it was nonsense from the start. Mm, yeah. Um, yeah, thoroughly enjoyable nonsense all the same, but yeah, for but for that reason, yeah, of course I did. Yeah, um, I didn't hate it. I think on the balance, I, you know, I enjoyed it. It's it's about twenty minutes too long. It's like the the middle bit does sag like fuck. I couldn't recommend it to anybody. Like I would never tell anyone <laughs> to watch this film, but I wouldn't say to not watch it if it was on. Hmm. I think that's that's about as good as you can expect for something of this caliber. Yeah, it, it screams Channel 5 on a Sunday. Oh, not even 5. It's 5-star five level. It's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, based on this film, and this film alone, was Cage good or was Cage bad? Stu? He probably was, you know. Because <laughs> he was, no, he was in even the... He was nowhere near the worst part about this film. And it... No. He kind of... It was crazy Cage when it needed to be, and more. At, po- at points, I mean, you, you you don't really see him being a complete arsehole that often, from yeah. start to finish, and he kind of was in this, other than his animals. So, yeah, yeah, he was. Mm. Matt, are you in agreement? I am, but I'm shocked that there are much better films than this that hasn't had the yes in both questions. <laughs> you know, isn't it Cage good and is this a good film? But yeah, I think he was good because, like. 
he he gave enough of a performance that you be, you know you knew he was an arsehole in you, you knew his character was an arsehole you knew his mm. character um could go off the rails a little bit when needed to be and you know he he, he delivered these like um throwaway cheesy 90s lines like he's already dead like that kind of stuff <laughs> like he delivered them with the kind of like stupidness that you need for like a an almost 90s kind of film so yeah i think he probably was was good in it yeah I, I agree i think he held the film together like the only other person i could imagine in that sort of role would be someone like christian slater Mm. Jeremy someone who's got that little bit of crazy about them who's very 90s as well I think Christian's like I, I don't think he would have been anywhere near as good as Cage I think Cage held the film together he was watchable, he was interested like Stu said we got to see that arsehole side of him which was fun to see and we had that bit of the crazy Cage when we needed it it wasn't 24-7 crazy Cage it was he picked and chose his moments well, I think. Mm. So, yeah, it's two yeses from me, surprisingly, on this one. Good, Christian Slater. Have you have you seen Mister Robot? I watched like all of the first series apart from the last episode. I figured it well, out before we got to the end, and I'm not watching this. Yeah, you know, how he doesn't seem to have changed that much at all. Looks exactly the same, doesn't he? <laughs> Just with a beard. You've seen it, haven't you, Matt? You've seen all of it. I did. I I loved it like throughout, and I remember like in the the the, the early stages of our blossoming friendship, we would talk about Mister mm. Robot quite a lot. And um, yeah, I I really enjoyed it throughout. To be fair, until the ending, which was fine. It wasn't like it wasn't the worst in the world, but I did feel a little cheated. But I enjoyed it for the most part. Yeah. Mm. Now, I, I remember saying to someone, it's got a proper Fight Club vibe to it. Mm-hmm. And then the look on their face, I was like, he's not real, is he? And I, I just knew from that moment, I'm never going to finish that series. So I didn't. Um, where was I? Oh, yeah. So finish the sentence. If you enjoyed Primal, you might also like. Stu? Under Siege? <laughs> of course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> A terrorist and a, and an ex Navy SEAL on a boat fighting each other properly under siege, and Steven Seagal in the nineties, of course. Mm. The, what what this be, what this film is begging to be? Yeah, it is. Matt, um, for no reason other than if you want to have animals involved in some form of nineties cheesy but also shit film, then you need to watch Deep Blue Sea. <gasps> How dare you? Oh, it's bad. It is bad. It's terrible, isn't it? Let's be let's be completely yeah. honest. Um Jaws it is not. Um but it's it, like re- it, it redeems itself by being so shit. Much much of some of the redeeming qualities of this. We should do I think there's the trilogy of Deep Blue Seas. We should do them. Yeah, one came out in twenty twenty. Yeah. Yeah, we, we need to get them done at some point, I think. Maybe do it over Halloween. That I saw that on Halloween, like, is it 2000, was it, that was released? So I think it might be the first time I ever saw two films at the cinema in one day. I went to see Deep Blue Sea, came out, then went in to see um, Blair Witch. <laughs> I felt so sick at the end of Blair Witch because of my... 99. Thing. So it was the 99 Halloween that I went to do it, see it. 
And I remember I had to walk past this open wooded area on my way back home. And um, like I was bricking myself because I'd just watched Blair Witch. And so I thought, I'm going to call my mum. I'm going to let her know I'm round the corner because she needed to open up for me anyway because I didn't have my keys with me. And I was like 16. Um, so I called my mum. My phone wouldn't work. I'm like, I'm next to these woods. I can't call anyone. And it turns out it was just because my, it was when you had to top up. And at midnight on the 31st of October, my credit had run out. That was the only reason. <laughs> I was thinking I was going to get fucking murders. And it just turned out that it was like a minute past midnight. So I wasn't impressed. Deep Blue Sea was my first um, DVD. In I the, think um, it was mine in a, a three pack. My idea. It was at the um, that that the cardboard case with the the um, plastic on the side. Yeah, yeah. I had it with um, Three Kings, Three Kings, and Matrix, <laughs> and it was like the the blockbuster pack or something like that. It was just a really odd trio of films to put together. <laughs> uh, so for me, the film I'm going to recommend, I'm going to go with a, another B movie, also starring Nicolas Cage. But it's one where he's hunted rather than the hunter, and it's Willy's Wonderland. Love that film. I mean, obviously, we spoke about it when it came out, so it's available in the, the back catalogue. It's just a really fun, silly film. And I think Primal could have been improved had it have leaned a little bit more into the absurdity. In that middle 20 minute chunk, I think if they went a little bit dafter, it could have been something really, really fun, other than just something that was passable. So that's another Nick Cage film in the record books. Please get in contact if you've seen this one, and it's cagefightingpod at gmail.com on emails and cage, at cagefightingpod on the Twitter and Insta. Please make sure that you're subscribed as well, um, and make sure that you check out the latest episode of Video Nasty Andy, which dropped last week, where I look at Last House on the Left. So finally, once again, thank you for listening. We truly appreciate your time, and please tell a friend. We would love you forever if you did. So for this week, Matt, would you like to say goodbye? Take it easy, everybody. Hope you are staying safe in the world and look after yourselves. Stu, would you like to say goodbye? Take it easy with my cat, Kurt Zuma. <laughs> goodbye. <laughs> it's goodbye from me, and remember, be excellent to each other. We'll be right back.